I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. I'm Sue Smith. And, and we, we love, love scams. Guys, we love scams. We love you. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank God we all have each other. That's all I'm going to yes. say. Yes. Yes. It's Thank God. Sure. We're approaching a year in quarantine. Here we are. That's bonkers. Remember, we were like, this is silly. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, I don't know how to, I'm, I'm going to go back to regular life. I don't know. I'm, a hundred percent. I'm actually getting anxiety about being expected to go to social events. Like I really yeah. do. I miss family. I miss people, but I'm nervous that everyone's going to be so insane and zesty about social events that if I don't want to go to one, everyone's going to, I'm going to feel very guilty. Yeah. I, I'm just worried about having to talk to people all day long. Yeah. <laughs> and social anxiety. That's small talk. Forget it. But also at this point, if I feel like the small talk will be when we see each other again, like what was your breakdown during COVID or how many sure, breakdowns did you sure. have or how much did you have to go up on your medication? I think we're all going to be very honest. I know. Like, are we going to go back to the flippant society, like the flippant money hungry society, or are we going to be changed forever? Yeah. Wait, speaking of which, um, flippant and money hungry, uh, have you watched Bling Empire? No, but I've heard about it and I heard on these, all these podcasts, I think I want to watch it. It's amazing. It's so good. I'm loving anything that was recorded 
before the pandemic and people are just jetting off to Paris to go to fashion shows and like oh, wow. without a care in the world. Just throwing that money around. Inject that into my veins. I fucking love it. Oh, so good. I've been having, I don't know if you guys have had this. I've had weird nightmares where I am like with a friend and hugging their new baby. And then I realize I don't have my mask on. And they don't like I've been having now like COVID nightmares. Oh, and no. I hope it's just me and this isn't affecting everyone. But it's that feeling of like, oh, my God. I, it's like when you forget to do your homework or you are in a performance sure. and you didn't know any of the lines. Now mine is I'm with a person I love so much. I'm hugging and kissing and I forgot my mask or they're not wearing their mask. It's I don't have those crazy. nightmares. I have nightmares where I'm very thirsty. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> just dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. Just dehydration, which is also totally terrifying. You guys, we have um, some amazing new Patreon patrons this week. We want to thank Catherine and Stacy. Thank you so much for thank subscribing. You guys. Uh, welcome to the club. You're going to hear all about like our medication doses, yes. how we're feeling, our marriages. We, I just love our Patreon listeners because we can tell you everything that like maybe we don't want to publicly say, but we, honestly, yes. like we can't help it. We're we we have to it. talk about it. Yeah, we got to. I have a little scam for you, too. Yes. If you want to get lots of free food just heaped upon you, have a baby. Oh, <laughs> there you, there you easy, go. easy thing. Yeah. So easy. Just have a baby. Have a baby come out of your body. Yes. And then people will just bring you, like, pasta, and it's great. Amazing. Uh, you know, also, I feel like if you were adopting or fostering, like, the mm. word gets out when a new child is in your life, people will bring you food. That's Save true. money on groceries. Have a mm -hmm. child. That's what Save I always say. money and have a child. Yes. Yes. That's my scam for them. That's the best scam. Oh, speaking of which, speaking of um, medical things, um, our friend Andy Bustillos, who's a UCB comedian, and he's hilarious. He's one of my closest so friends. Nice. Mm -hmm. he, he watches my cats. He does a mediocre job watching the cats. <laughs> uh, he really does. He has been diagnosed with cancer, and we have a GoFundMe mm -hmm. for him. Um, that I will put in the show notes. Sue and Austin created this amazing GoFundMe that is just skyrocketing and like people are donating and you don't have to donate a lot, but just anything will help this wonderful friend of ours because we all know we've all shared and talked about our experiences with friends and family with cancers and avoiding cancer. Yeah. And he's literally the best person and we just hope he has a speedy recovery. Yeah. So we're sending him lots of love and we will link the GoFundMe link in our show notes. And that would just be a really wonderful thing because it'll help him and his life. His family too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, totally not life or death, but I did go crazy this week because it was my son's birthday. And I did. So I guess a thing I did is I scammed myself into thinking that like I could make a three-year-old birthday party, something like a real life three-year-old birthday party and not yeah. like COVID. There's this, I've been talking to so many moms and there's this feeling of moms with children who are older, older than yours, Sue, at the point where like you have to also be their psychiatrist, like, and psychologist oh. and like where they, you're their teacher, you, of course, their mother, their, you know, you house them, everything like you do. But then also you have to be there for their emotional support and their entertainment and all of these other things. Mm. In those in those other ways, which you will be, <laughs> like right. it's not that it's not going to happen anytime soon. But like then, you have to provide everything, and I felt so much pressure. I put it on myself to provide the most perfect birthday for him, mm. and it completely exhausted me. And I just like spent the next day just like crying because I was so tired. But it was a great birthday. But I will say to other moms, you know, 
it's when your kids have birthdays, and I'm sure many of them have had during COVID, and you can share your experience and like message me, but it's not going to be the same. So don't mm. don't scam yourself into thinking that it's going to be the same. And if you don't have the exact same experience, you're not the best mom in the world. We still had an amazing birthday, and he was so happy, and he was saying happy birthday to everyone. Like you say, Merry Christmas to everybody. Aww. That's so cute. And every time he asked for a piece of his birthday cake, he also asked me to sing to him again. And he also hides so I can surprise him with a cake and candles. And I do it. It's fun. I mean, it's COVID. We're singing happy birthday every day. Like, it's just a blast. Great. So it, it sounds like really it was a success. success. It was a success. It was, but the amount of pressure, I don't think it was what I needed to put on myself. Mm. Yeah. Our guest today is an amazing writer who wrote so fun. two books. She's very into murder, um, which <laughs> I used to be into. And she's into scams and she's which into feminism. Which Sue is now into. It's very yes. connected to Sue Smith's oh, journey. She's great. And she has bangs. So like what could go wrong? And a boy son. Yeah. So it's and a boy perfect. Son. All right. Guys. You guys, please welcome Tori Telfer. Hi. We're so excited, <laughs> Tori. You. She's the author of the book Confident Women, Swindlers, Grifters, and Shapeshifters of the Female Persuasion. Guys, could she not be more perfect for this podcast? <laughs> we have a kindred spirit. She's also the author of a book called Lady Killers, Deadly Women Throughout History. I mean, <laughs> amazing. Yes. Guys, I'm so excited for our listeners because they are just going to be just as excited as we are. And we all have baby boys. <laughs> Tori has a baby boy as well. We were just chatting. And we are all feeling conflicted about bringing white men into the world. You know what? There's so many thoughts. (laughs) But we're here to talk about terrible but awesome women. And, Troy, I'll start by saying the reverence you give these con artists is so similar and such a love that Sue and I also have. There's... Even in your introduction, Mm -hmm. it's so interesting. You talk about, right from the get-go, the artistry inside conning that is different from just bloody bodies and murder and sort of revenge stories. This is so much more of a complicated web these con artists weave that Sue and I are just big fans of. <laughs> Fascinated. Yeah. In your experience with the research, how was it different um, researching the cons versus researching murder murderesses? It was different, like, on the surface, because on the surface, cons seem a lot lighter. You know, usually no one's being killed, usually. Yeah. Um, but as I got more into it, I did start to feel like the spider web, like you said, is much darker mm-hmm. than people give it credit for. And I don't know if you've experienced that covering this on your podcast, yeah. but it's like, it's all fun and games until it isn't. And I, I feel like it gets dark fast, but it's easy to well, forget the that. Anno- sure. Anodelia yes. Destabar, like we are, we love her. And then oh. even in the little section of your book, you're like, everybody talks to her. She's yeah. so excited. She's a star con yeah. artist. And then she returns into the creepiest sexual predator <laughs> rapist. Yeah. She's a rapist. Yeah. I know. Like, who knew? But yeah, it's shocking. And it happens so fast. You're like, oh, this woman's so and fun. We were on her side. We were all having fun. Yeah. You're like, oh, she has wigs. Yeah, she has wigs. <laughs> right. She has a lot right. of names. We love that for her. Uh, Anne Odelia Distabar is exactly what Tori was just referring to is in that you're you're kind of into this web, you're rooting on their team, and then suddenly they are mm-hmm. the creepiest person also at the same time. The creepiest person ever. And you're like, why am I here? Like, why am I holding a pendant with their name on it? Yes. I, re- I regret this. What was the creepiest one you found, or in your opinion? I think I have to say uh, Shante Kimes, the last chapter, because she, spoiler alert, kills people okay no that's fine (laughs) well now you know um but yeah she and her son speaking of being a boy mom you might want to skip that chapter she and her son who the tabloids called mommy and clyde 
uh, <gasps> went on a killing spree. So like no. people actually ended up dead. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I'm glad you saved it for yeah. the last chapter though because it is like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like halfway through and it's I'm really loving it. And yeah, I would I would say at the end, <laughs> you, you do assume at least somebody has to die. So that's a good place to put your chapter. Yeah. To be honest, that's a great little name for them. Mommy and Clyde. I know. That's good. I mean, I know. I may Ta- use it. Tabloids are good with <laughs> nicknames. Like yeah. even even if the nicknames aren't always the most appropriate or whatever, <laughs> like you can't deny that they know how to sell magazines. Oh, yeah. Yes. So when is your book? Is it out now? When is it? It comes out next month. Yes, it comes out in about a month, February 23rd. So exciting. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. So you're doing all your press right now and just... Yeah, yeah. I kind of just started. Oh, you guys are my second podcast interview. Great. Yeah, it's just starting to ramp up. Yeah. So I am not yet stressed. I'm still chill just, and I'm yeah. still fresh. <laughs> so you, did you develop an affinity for these con artists? Do you love them? Yes. I mean... Or admire them? Oh, I don't admire them. I... I love them, but also like literally anyone I write or podcast about, I it's like I develop a relationship with them. Like even yeah. no matter how awful they are, it's like, I don't know, you put the time in and then you're like, this is one of my warped little children. So, yes. you know, I, I, I do like even the women in my first book, which I hope it doesn't sound so horrible to say, but like you do get weirdly attached to them. Um, Because you feel like you know them. And it's complex. It's not a simple story. Right. And it's never like, this was a bad woman. This was a good woman. Bye, Mm. you know. So, yeah. But I try, I don't, I admire some things about them. I admire, you know, their innovation. They're very clever. Some of them are really funny. A lot of them are very fabulous. Yeah. yeah. But I can't full I can't just like go in go all in and be like, I want to be like them. Yes. Right, right, right. They That's just, probably good. Because yeah. then you're a murderer. Because <laughs> then I'm a murderer con artist. And like they hurt people like they really hurt people. And Aww. it's really easy to forget that, but their victims are just devastated. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you tell us the story of one of your favorites from the book? Yes. Let's talk about my girl, Cassie Chadwick. Yes. She she definitely hurt a lot of people, but she didn't kill anyone to her great credit. Great. So we're proud of her. <laughs> Cassie. Great. Good for her. Go Cassie. So Cassie was a Canadian woman who came down to America to, you know, live her American dream like so many others. But she just took it a little farther than most people. She was born in 1857 um, in Canada. And I know that's a long time ago, but I really feel like Cassie is very modern yes. in certain ways. So as a young girl, she was very, like, she was strange. Like, she would stare off into space, and she was always dreaming. Um, she Her parents didn't have very much money. She had a lot of siblings. Like, she just didn't have very many opportunities at all. But she was always seemed to be thinking, dreaming, or something. Mm-hmm. And she started conning from very young so she one of her cons was she went into a barber shop and was like cut off my hair and make it into a mustache yes <laughs> i love like, of course haven't we all haven't we all yeah. she's like lady gaga with her hair bow it's like, <laughs> yes but the barber was like i don't know young lady <laughs> like this seems fishy we don't we don't go doing that around here so her dad got called in and he had to take her home But she didn't give up. She then did a con that I think is just genius, but it's so simple. She just, like, wrote a fake letter from a fake rich uncle that was, like, or no, it was from the uncle's lawyers. It was, like, 
uncle has died and is leaving Cassie $15,000. And she showed the letter to everyone and she made business cards for herself that said she was uh, like inheritor of $15,000. So she would just go around flashing this paper that she had made herself. We should do that. (laughs) This is really good. Business cards that just say like, I have $2 million. (laughs) Tori Telfer has $2 million. Storytelfer.com. Love that. And I think that was a really important lesson for her because she was like, oh, you can kind of just put things down on paper, like in an official looking manner Mm -hmm. and you will fool people. Her own parents even believed that she had inherited this money, which is sort of like, guys, that's great. Do you not like keep in touch with your brothers? Like, who is this rich uncle? But anyway, she fooled even them. So... Eventually, she um, gets arrested for, you know, just like, I think she was trying to buy an organ with bad checks. Just your typical, <laughs> I don't know what she wanted the organ for. Why an organ? Yeah, that's like the last thing I would buy. I, it's so heavy I and it's cumbersome. Bulky. Yeah. It's bulky. I think just to make There's herself pipes. look more fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she was always really into appearing wealthy. I don't know if I said that yet, but like her, one of her sisters later was like, she was possessed of a mania for acquiring wealth quickly or something like that. I love that for her. Yeah. We yes. all relate. Like, that's that's how we all end up with our organs. So uh-huh. she got caught. She um, she faked insanity in the courtroom. And yes. instead of being sent to prison, she was just allowed to go home and live with her mom for a while. Also and, a prison. Right. Right. A prison of her own making. And after she was done with that, she was like, screw this. Small town Canada is not the stage that I want to perform on. I'm going to America. So she goes to Cleveland, Ohio. She kind of um, did your typical con woman thing where she like had some marriages that fell apart when her husband discovered she was a con woman. She had some falling out with family members when she tried to sell all their furniture. <laughs> By pretending that she owned it. <laughs> you know. And she wandered around, you know, who yeah. among us? Who among not. us? So she wanders around America for a while just doing like weird little cons. Like her weirdest con was she had some trick of making her gums. Bleed. I loved reading that. That was so creepy. Oh, I did read that. I did I make know. it to that. And she would be like, help me. I'm sick. Well, <laughs> like, my she gums said hemorrhaging the- of her lungs. Like I lungs. love it. Yeah. Yes. And we don't we unfortunately don't know how she made her gums bleed. Ugh. One newspaper said she pricked them with a needle. Which ah. is, She's doing what she has to do to get by. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I think that is brilliant. Uh because she's like an actor who can cry on command yeah. and said she can bleed on command. She can well. bleed on command. Yeah. So she would collect money, you know, for her doctor's bills and then she would leave town. She faked her own death once to get out of like an embarrassing thing where her husband cool. divorced her. She was like, that woman is not alive anymore. Sorry. Uh, and moved on. Her spirit has left with abandonment and embarrassment. Yeah. Um, so she's thrown into prison for forgery. She's thrown into the Ohio State Penitentiary mm-hmm. and given nine years. Nine years? Yeah. Nine years for forgery. It is there that they the prison takes down a really detailed description mm-hmm. of her, which will prove very bad later for her. So they like really describe her little like eyebrows, her height, her everything about her. A scar on her right elbow. Um, her ears were large and stand out, which is like, OK, guys, you didn't Thank have to you. put that in. Wow. Thank you. A Thanks little so petty. Much. A little petty. <laughs> exactly. But also useful. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Useful if you need yeah. to find her again, which eventually they did. Spoiler alert. So she goes back to Cleveland and she finds what many good con women are looking for. A wealthy, gullible husband. Yes. Who, yes. With a generous, like, just like, honey, take my checkbook kind of attitude. Oh, yeah. my God. And you said she has not like, utter contempt for men. And she's yeah. you said like their weakness and their vanities. <laughs> she could care less. And she felt intellectually superior, yeah. which we can all yes. relate to. Of course, we can all relate. <laughs> and to be fair, those were not my words. I, that no. was a journalist describing her. Um, right. But I put it in because I think it probably is true because she really mostly conned men. Mm. And a lot of con women just really lean into gender stereotypes mm-hmm. for the record. So she like really... really yeah, yeah. Like I've never con women this, are actually. not trying to in my experience, con women yeah. are not trying to be like, I'm not that kind of girl. They're like, I am that kind of girl. I'm so weak, you know, yeah. because that's how they con. Especially during that era. Like I feel like all the characters or characters, your real people from like the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, they really leaned into the damsel in distress. Where maybe yeah. not right yeah. now, like maybe not our con artist Sue, but like back then, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think our con artists today are leaning into different stereotypes of femininity, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it's like whatever the era wants (laughs) from a woman, a con artist, a female con artist will probably do. Because like, Mm. like it's not in Cassie's best interest to be like, I'm a bra burning suffragette, (laughs) you know, if she wants that anger. Exactly. Mm-mm. Exactly. So she finds this husband. He um, he's a, a wealthy widowed doctor and rich Cleveland society is like, who is this rando that you just married, Dr. Leroy? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> They're kind of mean about her looks. Like everyone is kind of like, Cassie wasn't that hot, which is mm. sort of it's like, OK, that's Aww. fine, though. But yeah, like, you know, everyone's kind of like, what does he see in her? She's nearing 40 and not that hot which is sad aren't we all (laughs) i know aren't we all to be honest so but but the one thing people do say about her like do compliment her on is her eyes Mm. she has these beautiful hypnotic eyes that she really and when i say hypnotic people said they were literally hypnotic like people are like i felt dizzy when she looked at me (laughs) so she uses her eyes on dr leroy and she marries him and now she's rich she's officially for the first time in her life she's actually rich she's not trying to get rich Mm -hmm. or pretending to be rich or forged documents like these are she's actually has this money in her possession good for her yeah Yeah. real real money a lot of money he's like you know part of the old cleveland wealthy Mm -hmm. family circuit okay and she just goes wild (laughs) spending his money she spends it so compulsively that i feel like it, there was something else going on. Like, I don't, it's weird to reach back into time and like diagnose historical figures. So Go I don't... for it, though. You might as well on this podcast. <laughs> you can do it. They're dead. Yeah. I can freely di- diagnose away. Well, I don't even, I don't even know what I would call it. It was a compulsion. Yeah. Like, it wasn't mm. just like, I love shopping. It's fun. It's how I relax. It was like, Cassie, you don't need that many pianos. I don't understand yeah. why you need. She you had know, an, like, organ obsession. Yes. an organ obsession. With an organ obsession. Uh, a jewelry piano. obsession. Yeah. I, I also thought maybe she, well, in reading your book, it seemed like she had a lot of anger at the wealthy because it, you were mm. saying that she never turned away anybody who begged. She gave a lot. She yeah. would like treat young girls to trips to Europe, like everything, no strings attached. Yeah. And it maybe looked she was like super generous. Yeah. It, 
also sort of read to me like a big fuck you to the rich. Like if you're going to be this rich, don't sit on your money. Don't hoard it. Give it out because you don't actually deserve it. And none of this is real. I don't know. I love that. Well, and, and that makes sense if she was like hated men yes too. she did so mm-hmm. for her to be like oh i hate men i'm just gonna go and find the wealthiest one and take him for all he's worth love that. yeah and like redistribute his money i think you said she had a brothel too like that's where she developed her like contempt for them or something yeah so that's that's a theory and and i thought like people are always like how did she fool all these men um and we haven't even like gotten to all her fooling but she was always swindling swindling men out of money basically and some people are like she had a brothel and she would sleep with them and as part of her tricks as part of her con but i've always fallen on the side of like i don't believe it like i'm sure she was (laughs) like linked to brothels at one point like she was Mm -hmm. obviously familiar with the she dabbled belly Mm -hmm. yeah she dabbled but i think that's not giving her enough credit like she was so subtle Mm -hmm. and and she was so like people said that she could hypnotize men so to me being like oh she probably just convinced them like while they were laying in bed together Mm -hmm. like it just Mm -hmm. it seems like she was more skilled than that Mm -hmm. and that like she didn't have to there's more there she didn't have to trick them that way Yeah, yeah yeah so that that has never satisfied me as an explanation. She, some people say that that's where she met her husband, Dr. Leroy Chadwick, is in a brothel. But the two of them always denied that. Hmm. Then again, why would they admit it, right. you know, back in the end of the 1800s? So we don't really know. Maybe it was more like an emotional brothel, like when you have an emotional affair yeah. with somebody. Um, like, you're you're to not and feel far off. <laughs> Like the bunny, the bunny ranch for your emotions. Yeah, yes. no that sex sh- stuff. That should exist. <laughs> just <laughs> looking deeply into your eyes and just like saying how you feel like you're not understood. <laughs> That's basically their story of how they met. You're you're close. Like she, I mean, they, they said that he had like pain in his leg, and she just like recommended a treatment, and he felt that made like him seen. fall in love with yeah. her. Like he felt seen. Yeah, she oh gets my, my leg. Nobody gets this leg. Like yeah, she does. That's why, like this thing of like trauma bonding like when you meet someone mm-hmm. and you talk about your traumas right away and you're like <gasps> yeah, <gasps> now we're yeah. friends yeah so she may be trauma bonded with her <laughs> doctor husband she's spending all his money on pianos yeah aggressively on piano on pearls and she gives on them to her friends musical chairs <laughs> literal yeah. musical chairs so she gives the pianos to her friends but I don't know that I think in that case, her friends were wealthy people that she was trying to buy their Mm -hmm, affection. mm -hmm. Um, Because, of course, the wealthy society is like, she's not one of us. Like, she's a newcomer. Like, ooh. So I think that she was using her money in multiple ways. She was using it to, like, give herself this glamorous lifestyle that she'd always wanted. She was using it to buy her way into Cleveland's hearts Mm -hmm. by being like, she literally was like, have a piano. Please (laughs) be my friend. (laughs) Be my friend. Have a piano. And she was using it like you were mentioning, Caitlin, to just like like she gave her cook like a expensive floor length fur coat. She gave her her butcher's boy a new wardrobe of like custom tailor. You know, so she she did have that side to her where she was just like lavishing Mm -hmm. people who were more poor than her with like fancy mm-hmm. stuff oh um God. and i think a really sweet detail of her is her servants because she had servants now her servants were loyal to her always yeah, even that. when mm-hmm. everyone else turned on her um because they were like cassie was good to us and i'm sorry i cut you off you said she had literal musical chairs i think she had literal musical chairs what? that 
Yeah, guests would sit down on her golden chairs and they would sing? Question mark. There was some sort of musical like apparatus. Yeah, like it sounds kind of horrible. Like I don't really need that in my life, but (laughs) she liked it. In the eighteen hundreds, you did maybe. (laughs) I probably did. Um, in the eighteen hundreds when I was rich, and also my favorite thing, like detail of her spending, was she took her husband out. By the way, I don't. I think we might like her husband. I think we don't like her other male victims, mm-hmm. but I think he was just kind of sweet and cool. yeah, yeah. And I think she, yeah, I think she did like him because she took him out um, one Christmas, like to the opera or to the play or something. And while they were out, she had <laughs> this. Will either you'll either love this or it'll stress you out, depending on how like much you like your stuff. But she had literally every object in their house replaced. <laughs> So like I love rug, new rug art. I no, love. like everything. A was whole new deck interior decorator came in during a play. <laughs> My husband would kill me. <laughs> oh, Alan would die on the floor. Die. It yeah. stresses me out because I'm like, where's my old stuff? Like this is so bad for the environment. But <laughs> sure, it was Cassie's way, and she brings him home, and she's like, "This is your Christmas present, dear." <laughs> and then my favorite detail is. She hands him a fur-lined overcoat that is worth over $1,000 back then, which is probably like $10 million today. So she's like, this whole new house is your Christmas present, but also here's a coat. And this is all your money. (laughs) And Dr. Leroy was just like, okay, cool. He's like, whatever you want, dear. (laughs) Thank you for curing my leg. Your eyes are hypnotizing me, whatever you say. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. So... Because she had so much money and she was able to access the money, it really doesn't make sense from a financial perspective why she kept conning. Mm. But I think that she did have this obsessive, mm-hmm. compulsive, like pathological need to do it. Yeah. I think which I'm so. sure you've seen in women that you've covered. It's getting that high. Do you guys cover all con artists, by the way? Or just female con artists? Um, all of them. I just like women con artists more. We have a yeah, preference yeah. for the females? Sure, sure. And some of the male ones are like actual murderers. Like it just kind of, the male ones turn really quick. Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I'm not surprised. This episode is sponsored by Helix Sleep. As you may know, I'm a new mom. I talk about it all the time, and you may hear my baby crying in the background. So that means that when I can get some sleep, I gotta make the most of it. And the people at Helix Sleep have sent me a mattress, and it is life-changing. It's amazing. When I can sleep on this, I'm like knocked out. Um, Helix Sleep is really cool because they have a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody's unique and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. And we all know that I like to sweat, people. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-sized folks. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz, and I was matched with the Midnight mattress because I wanted something that felt a little medium, and I sleep on all 
my sides and my back. I move around all night. It's such an easy quiz to take. It takes like two seconds and you're like, oh, I'm a midnight. (laughs) There I am. Um, And it's such a great mattress. It's not like other box mattresses. Like I had one before that was just super thin and only lasted a couple years. This one is thick and durable. And I hopefully will sleep soundly on it for years to come. So if you're looking for a mattress, just take the quiz, order the mattress you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to the mattress store again, and those are scam anyway, so don't do that. Also, the shipping was like super easy. Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Very nice. Just go to helixsleep.com slash scamwow, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I'm having the best sleep of my life. I will tell you that. (laughs) Even though I'm a new mom, I am having the best sleep of my life. Ding, ding. Helix Sleep has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash scamwow. Again, it's helixsleep.com slash scamwow. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So she has this, like, pathological. Like, she just can't stop, you know? Mm -hmm. She really does not need the money anymore. She's not that poor girl from Canada anymore. Mm -hmm. 
she has a whole new house. <laughs> but she still feels like a poor girl from Canada. Like she can't. That's a good. She point. can't shake yeah. that. Like her being and no. her demons. You know, I think also like yeah. when it's money that you've earned being a swindler or a con artist, it's not and doesn't feel. Even though she married him, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel honest. It's not like she worked mm-hmm. and she was the doctor and made the money. Like yeah, she can't relax. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's right. I don't think she can really relax. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I see this in other women in my book too. Like they are always afraid of something chasing them, like poverty yeah. or mm-hmm. getting caught in this way. Even if they've made it foolproof, there's still a fear mm-hmm. that maybe somebody is smarter than them because it's their own craft. But it's like imposter syndrome. But they are actually. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I want that on a t-shirt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so she she starts doing these banking cons, which she's done before, but she starts doing them like very intensely now. And again, this is her really leaning into gender stereotypes. So so she'll put on a nice dress. Is she still married? These... She's still married. Yeah, yeah, she's still okay. married. Yeah. Le- our mm-hmm. Dr. Leroy's still but She's in her 40s now, I think. Yeah, she's in her 40s. So basically she like puts on a nice dress, goes into these banks and she'll have these stories like she'll say like, "Ooh, like handsome young banker man, <laughs> I have been a little reckless with my husband's checkbook. You know how we ladies are. Right. And I really need a loan. And if you are discreet and don't tell my husband about this, I'll give you a little something for your pains. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she looks rich. She talks rich. Like she just looks, you know, she's a white woman. Like in many ways, like she's not triggering anything in the banker's brain to be like, they're not afraid of her. And also she says she'll tip them. Like it's, something extra wasn't like necessarily a blowjob. It was more like, I'll give you something extra. Like, no, sorry. It was definitely money. Yeah. Did I make yeah. a- <laughs> it? It was literally like, I'll give you more money. So it's like she looks harmless. She looks rich and she's offering them money like. They're not going to say no. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Right. So she would do this over and over. And so she's getting loans. Oh, and she would have, again, fake papers like she did when she, like she learned as a teenager. She would have fake papers or she would have like a stack of bonds and the the top one and the bottom one would be real, but all the ones in the middle would be fake. That's so smart. So she had like props that just made her look legit. And so the the bankers would give her loans. And so she starts doing this like sort of a cycle that she can't get out of. She's taken out a loan from this bank, but eventually he's going to ask her it back. So then she has to go to this bank and take out another loan and pay it back. Mm-hmm. So she's doing that. And then again, I think from that old Cassie need to like like increase the stakes she decides to increase the stakes <laughs> she decides that she's gonna throw a story in the mix uh origin story and so she decides to start telling people that she is actually not a poor girl from canada but she is the secret love <laughs> child of andrew carnegie oh my god the richest person in america at that time like, yeah. She doesn't just say like a rich guy. She says the richest the. period. Cassie wow. is like, I deserve the best. I deserve the most pianos and I deserve the <laughs> richest fake dad. Fake daddy. Yeah. Da- She's like going tr- big. She goes all the way to the top. So the genius part of that is that is the love child part, because now no one can like no one's going to go up to Carnegie and be like, did you have an affair back like, then? Yeah, that's so embarrassing back then. I even think today. I don't know. Today, there's like people want to be the first one to break it. And they call out like cancer, people faking cancer and shit yeah, like that. Which so people do. But <laughs> I think like um, 
Yeah, I do think back then that a lot of our conners had in common that if you did fake that you were a secret love child, there was so much shame and so much respect mm-hmm. and reverence for yeah. men that they never wanted to embarrass mm-hmm. their fellow man. So they would keep these incredible secrets. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I will say, though, there's a woman who did the same thing in 2008 in my book in Beijing. Like she did I the secret love, love child thing. I love that story. And it worked. It was so, so good. I do think you can get away with it. Yeah, thanks. Okay, maybe you can. I mean, it depends. I think it depends who the fake dad is. Like, sure. If it's like Army Hammer. The guy who eats people now. Like if it's yeah. someone that people don't care about. Yeah. yeah. Like no one's going to be like, I have to maintain his secret. Yeah. But if it was like, Tom Hanks. I don't mean to give anyone ideas, but if it was someone, mm-hmm. but guys, people try thought it. was untouchable. <laughs> say your Tom Hanks daughter. Yeah. See how much money you can <laughs> loan from a bank. Yes, and get back to us. So she is so smart about setting up this con. She like the she she pretends like she's accidentally let the secret out, I which love I love, mm-hmm. and I need to do more of this in my daily life. She's like my dad, Andrew Carnegie. Oh, did I say that out loud? Yeah, it's amazing. And the other men in her life are like, you're what? And so she tells this uh, this lawyer, like, fine, you can come with me as I visit him. (laughs) But you have to remain in the carriage. She goes to New York. She takes her lawyer, her lawyer friend with her to New York. And she's like, stay in the carriage while I visit father. And she goes into Andrew Carnegie's house and comes back like a half hour later with a bunch of paper, uh, a bunch of like bill, like not bills, like checks with his name on it, like documents and bonds, basically stuff that says my daughter Cassie Chadwick is good for $11 million because I put it in a trust for her. And so the lawyer who's been in the carriage watching this happen is obviously completely convinced because he saw her go into the house and he saw her come out with paper he doesn't know that she had the paper with her like under her coat all the whole time and he doesn't know that she just walked in and like made i assume awkward conversation with the housekeeper for 30 30 minutes minutes. like i yeah like i imagine she was just playing dumb like what whose house oh i'm so confused i thought i was supposed to be across the street like just really stretching it out smart is that it's genius to just stay inside that house for 30 minutes that's like a solid amount of time yes because you can't yeah if you're going to see your dad you can't it's not a five minute call it's not a Mm -mm. mm -mm. mm-mm mm-mm So now she plants this story in the lawyer's mind and he tells everyone else and all the businessmen in Cleveland are like, did you know, slash, we can't say anything because we respect Cassie and we respect Andrew (laughs) Carnegie. For some reason. (laughs) Yes. And so this is really helping with her bank cons because now she has these pieces of paper basically saying she's worth all this money. So like what banker isn't going to loan Andrew Carnegie's daughter money? She can she can have whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. She's worth 11 million according to this fake piece of paper she has. Can you tell the story about I love about that she brought her lawyer with her to the bank and then had him write the note so she had I I like highlighted that. I was like that is so smart. Like okay, she keeps upping the stakes here or like upping the ante or whatever, but she, I think she really reaches her peak with this. She has a banker named Irie Reynolds and she has him come over to her house and she's like, I have all these valuables, like these notes from my dad, Andrew Carnegie. Shh, don't say anything. And I want to put them in your bank vault for safekeeping. So she shows him all the stuff, like all the deeds and all the notes with Andrew's signature. And she's, you know, so he sees it and then she puts it in an envelope and seals it with wax. And she writes out a list of all the stuff, which he's seen. So, like, he's not weirded out. She writes out a list, 
you know, Cassie has this and this and this in the bank vault, and then she puts it in the vault. And then later that afternoon, she calls him up and she's like, oh, my God, like I gave you that list of everything that I own that's in the vault, but I totally forgot to make myself a copy. Could you just write out a copy for me and send it to me? Uh, if this were legitimate, like, that's not a weird request, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, sure. He's like, of course I'll, like, make you a copy. Like, yeah. that's no big deal. So he takes out his official bank stationery and he writes a list saying <sighs> Cassie Chadwick is good for this and this. And he signs it and he gives it back to her. And I think that moment is so interesting because it's like suddenly, like, imaginary becomes real in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like, she still doesn't have $11 million, but she has a real piece of paper saying that she Completely does. Completely verifying mm. it. Yeah. A verified piece of paper. So it's, like, the first time that she she's not even relying on her own forged papers anymore. She has a real piece of paper. It's so smart. It's so it's smart. So smart. <laughs> it's, it's so smart. It's so Anna Delvey. Yeah, I know. The roots of this con run deep. Mm. So... She's preparing to potentially, like, flee to Brussels eventually where she couldn't be extradited um, because she knows she can't do this forever. Like, she knows eventually. I I love that she researched that. She's like, where can I go? Okay, Brussels. (laughs) That's where we're going to move to. Someday someone's going to be like, could I please have my loan back? And I'm going to have to be like, I spent it on pianos. (laughs) So she's almost there, but she's Cassie and she can't stop. So she lingers a little bit too long in the U.S. She's just casually trying to con some businessmen from Pennsylvania and get like 300 or 400,000 from them. Like her big her last big con when the whole thing collapses. Basically, one of the many guys that she uh, that she owes money to can't get his money back from her so he gets mad and he goes to the papers and hit the amount that she owes him is not that much um well i guess it, it's a lot of money it's a hundred and ninety thousand dollars it's not 11 million it's not 11 million it's a slot. yeah it's not like what i have in my bank account <laughs> now like which is 11 million <laughs> um but once that hits the papers all the other bankers in cleveland are like wait yeah this sounds <laughs> too familiar This sounds really familiar. And so, like, suddenly everyone realizes what's happening and Cleveland panics and there are runs on the bank and businessmen everywhere are, like, walking around in a panic being like, how much did she get of you? How much did she get of you? And some people are too embarrassed to come Mm -hmm. forward. I mean, because it's like, you know, people are sensitive about this kind of thing. And and it gives their bank a bad name to it. It makes people feel that they're, you know, their bank's run by a bunch of, like, easy pushovers and marks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it starts crumbling and the scheme starts being revealed, although I think to this day we probably don't know just how many people she conned because of that shame. But yeah. she <laughs> she puts up a great fight. <laughs> she really stays in character till the end. She lets the press see her walking into Andrew Carnegie's lawyer's office, but she doesn't even ever go to the <laughs> office. She just, like, runs up to the roof, like, jumps onto the roof of another yes. building. She jumps to another roof like Aladdin style. Like a superhero. <laughs> yes. Like Aladdin. Like yes. parkour. And skitters away. I know. Like how, what was she wearing? Yeah. But you know, she's very image conscious. Like she knows that it looks good that she's going into the lawyer's office. Um, and she protests her innocence in the papers. But someone finds that old description of her in the Ohio State Penitentiary and is like, Hmm, this this woman who was arrested as Madame Lydia Devere. With the same scar and the same <laughs> has the ears. same scar. 
this the sticking out ears like sounds an awful lot like Cassie. And even though Cassie's like, I am so offended <laughs> at the implication that that is me. Like it obviously was her. And I love what she was doing when she was arrested because, you know, she was really sticking to her guns metaphorically. She was in a white nightgown. Laying back on a lace pillow. So fabulous. <laughs> just looking just looking like this innocent, wealthy woman who is just being unfairly targeted. I love Come get me. Yeah. Come get me. I am innocent. And they took her away. It's amazing. And wow. she was found guilty. <laughs> and Andrew Carnegie went to her trial and he was kind of amused yeah. by the whole thing. Because he you know, he hadn't lost a dime because of her. Like he was not harmed. Um, so he was just kind of like, huh, I want to see who this woman is. Also, you <laughs> so said he, he was like flattered, like, hey, if like bankers will just yeah. give you money because I'm so valued <laughs> and you trust yeah. my like business so much. My credit. What a great thing. Yeah. 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 He was like, oh, cool. Like my name means a lot. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Wait, where's Leroy? She's still with Leroy? What's going on? Oh, my. Oh, OK. Leroy. This is sad. Leroy was in Brussels. Yeah. But isn't that great? <laughs> she shipped him off to Brussels. I think it's great. He's well, free. No. Well, he came back. Oh, no. OK. He was never going to be charged or anything. Yeah. So but I think she sent him off. He did not know what was going on, but I think she sent him off and was going to join him there. Yeah, I thought it was a great thing. Yes. Well, so he's in Brussels and he picks up the paper and he reads that his wife has been arrested (laughs) and he zooms back to the U.S. And um, he he has a really sad quote in the papers. Oh, this is awful, awful, awful. (laughs) So like (laughs) very succinct, very surprised. (laughs) Yeah, really sums it up there. (laughs) Yeah. So Leroy. as far as I know, they didn't get divorced, but Leroy is never charged or anything. Yeah, I think he did love her, and I think he was genuinely, genuinely shocked. Had no idea what she'd been doing. Um, Cassie is put back in the prison where she spent those years for forgery. And, oh, it's worth noting, she is super famous by this point. Like, she is... I would say more famous than Anna Delvey. Like, oh, way more, yeah. Yeah, like he- headlines everywhere. People are calling her, like, just giving her all these superlatives, you know, like the the witch of finance. They printed fake money with her name on it. Like, mm. yeah, and people liked yeah. her. I mean, people hated her, but also liked her. Like, yeah, they printed $20 bills with her face on them and swindled tourists <laughs> with the money, which, and they called them, what do they call them? Cassie bills or something? I think that, like, People underestimate women and that's how they or or they did at the time. And that's how they can lean into these stereotypes. So then when a woman swindles them and has Mm -hmm. swindles them by leaning into the stereotypes, everyone is like, she's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, she did it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's great. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of like, oh, we had that coming. I mean, to be fair, her victims did not feel that way. They were one of them. This sweet elderly banker actually died like kind of of the shock like when he learned that she was because he he went to his deathbed believing that she was Andrew Carnegie's daughter and he when he learned that she was arrested he like took to his bed in shock and never left so I know he was yeah so like the people he was very delicate he was sick anyway I'm sure I mean Cassie had been stressing him out for a really long time even though (laughs) he believed her he was like I really need my money back like I really need that money Mm. and she always had an excuse and um, yeah he was very stressed but other people you know the the people who weren't the bankers she swindled were like 
Yes. Like we <laughs> want to be like Cassie. Yeah. Um, this drugstore in Cleveland sold bottles labeled Cassie Chadwick nerve tonic. I love <laughs> it. Because everyone wanted her nerve. Um, it was in prison that she died and her family, her real family, had her body sent back to Canada and people really wanted to see it because she was so famous, but her sisters wouldn't let them in. It was like it's really poignant to me. It's like they finally had their sister back mm, and yeah. they were like, no, like you can't see her anymore. Mm-hmm. And her real name wasn't Cassie, by the way. It was Elizabeth Bigley. So, you know, they called her Betsy. So they had Betsy back and that's where she was buried. Damn. Yeah. Do you think this is a good scam or a bad scam? Ooh, What's your opinion? Can you tell me what you mean by good scam and bad good scam? Good scam is like, I feel... I'll say my opinion is that mm-hmm. I think it's a good scam because people mm-hmm. who are scammed were bankers and mm-hmm. who cares, you know? Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. anytime anytime a scam um steals from the rich and gives to the poor, I'm all for it. Yeah. But a bad right. scam is like scamming the people, scamming masses of people innocent unknowingly. Like scamming yeah. the vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very much. Yeah. I mean, she definitely scammed a lot of not vulnerable people, but I and helped some poor people, like, you know, the the people in her life, like, in the service industry. But I'm going to say, like, it's a both. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Because, you know, she also, like, she had years of scamming before before the bank scams. Right. Um, when And I'm sure the people that she was getting money for, like, for her bleeding lungs were just ordinary people. She scammed her family. Right. Like, I, so I can't say for sure that she didn't harm vulnerable people. And I do think it's sad that... That lawyer died. She did leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the banker. The banker. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But, like, on, for the most part, yeah, there's, like, a bit of a Robin Hood mm-hmm. edge to her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, taking from the banks and, like, buying her stuff. And being you know. a woman, like, taking over. Yeah. Also, I like that she yeah, was... Yeah. seemed like she did like her husband or valued him in yeah. some way. And he appreciated her. And that was kind of a sweet story you don't really hear for many con artists. It, <laughs> they it can't really hold down relationships and like, <laughs> as a whole. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they really can't. And she didn't really scam him. I mean, I guess she was not honest with him about her extracurricular activities. But, like, she never scammed him. He was like, Cassie, t- my money is your money. Like, buy your musical chairs. <laughs> he scammed so, yeah. himself. Yeah. I love, it. I love that you said that, like, afterwards, all these headlines came out with people that were then other Cassies, yeah. like the, yeah. you know, Italian Cassie Chadwick. And, like, people were just, <laughs> like, using her name to describe basically an incredibly smart grifter. Yeah. In your research, did you feel like there was, like, a common personality trait that they all, all these con artists had? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, like ingenuity, cleverness. Um, what's the word for when you are like you always have a side hustle? Like <laughs> you're always hustler. like hustler or like even like entrepreneur kind yeah. of like they were they, they always like they knew how to pivot. They knew how to switch it up. They knew how to get money. But they're all like similar in that way. Yeah, yeah. Like they definitely vary in terms of how like bad they like their intentions are mm-hmm. there i think there's more of a spectrum there um like how much damage they wanted to inflict but they all had that entrepreneurial edge but here's what's sort of creepy is i would also say the same thing about the female serial killers in my first book mm, and i do say it in that book yeah like they were all hustlers and i don't say that lightly but um 
a lot of them worked a lot of jobs. And mm-hmm. I'm not calling serial killing a job. I mean, like, literal <laughs> yes. jobs. Like, they were... I think a lot of the women in both my books would have been amazing, like, CEOs. You know how people say CEOs are all... Not all, but there are a lot of psychopaths. Sure. Yeah, why not? I yeah. yeah, like, like to, to want... And same with politicians. Like, to sort of want to get to that level of power, like, you kind of have to be a little bit of a psychopath. Yeah. I think a lot of these women could have channeled their psychopathy or their compulsion or their restlessness into like awesome non-criminal careers right um i think they're very they're very talented and then a you know a combination of factors like made them become who they were also they couldn't be ceos at that time you know it's sort of yeah there were no right oh yeah minor point yeah there so it's not their fault they had to kill people (laughs) they just had to kill people (laughs) (laughs) right but like yeah no one was no one was like oh cassie like you're very intelligent like may i offer you this office job right (laughs) like she had no options so yeah she made her own oh my gosh wow tori thank you so much i loved your book (gasps) tori it was so great and it was such like there, and there are stories there, guys, that you know and love that we've talked about, but also she goes in depth. I loved how in depth you went with the diamond necklace with Marie Antoinette. Like we've we've covered oh, a bunch yes. of these things, but it's just oh, so cool. lovely. And I really Thank enjoyed you. guys. So we completely recommend this book. Yes. Confident women get it uh, next month wherever books are sold. Yes. You can pre-order it. Yes, now, pre-order. Oh, pre-order it now. Pre-order is <laughs> help for your pub week. Uh, get it. Get it going. Oh, Thanks, yes. Tori. Tori, I love it. Thank it was you guys. This was so you. fun. Oh, it was yes. great. It was my pleasure. Guys. Thank you. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you, Tori. That was amazing. So good. Um, her book is just full of classic cons, so you guys should grab it. Remember, it's called Confident Women, Swindlers, Grifters, and Shapeshifters of the Female Persuasion. And we're not, this episode isn't just like PR for her book. We really genuinely love this book. And yeah. this is like completely in our zeitgeist. And I'm telling you guys because I know like Lydia, you will love this book. Like we know like listeners will just be lapping this up. And it's so many fun stories that we've also had guests bring on that she also gives more detail into. It's really exciting. So we just love it. You can get it wherever books are sold and you can pre-order. Yes. And if you have any confident women con artists to send to us, you can always email us at scamwoppodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And if you have anything that's happened to you or you have a great, great grandmother that was conned by one of these fabulous women, you can call us on our hot tip hotline because you know I love a phone call. That number is 347-509-9414. Yes. And if you want back episodes, if you want to check out our Patreon, merch, all that stuff, you can go to scamwellpodcast.com. Amazing. And hang in there, guys. We're all just getting through January. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) And we will see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. stranger, I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery 
following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Berntwein have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.